The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Bigfoot was spotted off the Hood River Freeway. Yes, we're finally getting to that story after three days. Many starts and stops. And then we look at probably one of my newest favorite alien stories that I've come across. What happens when a man wakes up surrounded by beautiful, naked alien women? The answer may surprise you today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone welcome back to another episode of dead rabbit radio i'm your host jason carpenter i'm having a great day i hope you guys are having a great day too hope you guys had a great week we got a lot of stuff to cover today so let's go ahead and jump right into this first off hood river oregon i've been talking about this for days now i've been saying oh yeah we're gonna do the story bigfoot spotted in hood river like a couple miles from where i live but first let's do and then i would talk about some other random topic or he was going to be in the Kevin Spacey episode, but I just could, I could not. That Kevin Spacey episode ended up just being all about him, which is rare, really, for the show. Usually, I do at least two stories an episode, but that Kevin Spacey thing was just so bizarre. The whole thing was weird. It was so bizarre that Bigfoot himself was like, me wait, uh, me, me curious too about all deaths associated with him. He's reading a magazine. We're going to get to it right now, though. So Veronica, friend of the show Veronica, emails me the other day, text messages me, if I got to be specific. Bigfoot was spotted in a river. I was like, what? And she was like, type, 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 typing. I don't know what her expression was on the other end. But she sent me a link, which was a link to an app, to a news app that I had to download just to read the story. Very, very suspicious. So I downloaded the app. And I know, thrilling, thrilling narrative here. They're, they're like, did he download the app? I downloaded the app. When the story first came out, it was only available on the app, on this weird local news app. And then it started to filter out into the wider web. And I found a couple links that you can actually go to without downloading some Russian app onto your phone. Right now, there's a bunch of guys on their way to cut my fingers off on some internet red room camera because I downloaded the app. But before that happens... Let's talk about this. November 30th, 2019. Oh, and thanks, Veronica, for sending the story. November 30th, 2019. There's this dude driving down I-84 at night, and he sees something big standing on the side of the road. Just standing there. Menacingly tall. Shrouded in darkness. That's a zombie. That's a zombie noise. He didn't hear any noise. He was listening to NPR or something that people in Oregon listen to. He couldn't hear what it was saying, but he saw a giant monster standing on the side of the road. You don't really need to hear what they're saying. They're making monster noises. He calls up the Oregon State Police, and he says, I saw Bigfoot. The dispatch goes through, and of course they were like, is it a bear? And he's like, no, it's bigger than a bear. Way bigger than a bear. It was like dwarfing the guardrail. And the dispatcher who gets the call goes, you know what? There's an ODOT camera there. I can actually verify this. Turns to their little computer all nerdy-like. 
typing in coordinates to the satellite view. Do, 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 zooming in, zooming in. Sees the ODOT camera, which I guess I should tell you guys, for people who are, you're like, what the hell is an ODOT camera? Oregon Department of Transportation. They're the cameras on the side of the freeway. They pull it up, nighttime photo. Of the time when the guy saw the thing reported in the Bigfoot, there is a giant shape standing on the side of the road. Gentlemen, we caught him. Photo of Bigfoot in Hood River. Now, like I said, this was originally on the Russian spy app. And then I found it actually on the surface web. And I put some links in the show notes below. You can check out the photo yourself. And I wanted to do this story. And I put it off because Kevin Spacey became a big old weirdo. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to check it out a little bit more. And somebody, I don't know why I didn't think of this. Somebody on Facebook, no, and I'll just give her first name so I don't want to be accused of doxing her. Shelby, Facebook user Shelby. The photo, though, is on the show notes. She goes, wait, this is, this is interesting. Let's see what this looks like during the daytime. So in the mid-December is when the story started to break. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks later, someone goes, wait a second. If there's an ODOT camera there, we can easily see that same position during the day when the sun's up. It's a giant, it's a big old bush. It's a big old bush. Now, when I look at the nighttime photo, you do realize that it most likely is a giant tree. A giant tree or bush with shoulders. Yes. Has a roundish head. Yes. Big old body. It's tall. It's just the bush. Now, what's funny about this story is that I assumed, and this is the problem with a lot of people who follow this stuff, i.e. me, I assumed that people who knew the area would come out immediately and go, that I've been by there a hundred times, it's just a big old bush, it's not Bigfoot. So I was assuming that the due diligence was done. And you're thinking, Jason, isn't this like five miles from where you live? Couldn't you have gone out there? I was planning on it. I wanted to get a crew and go out along the freeway and try to find Bigfoot tracks, and it's just a big old bush. So I'm glad that I discovered it was a bush now. So that is the story of the Hood River Bigfoot. You're like, Jason, you really put that off for three days? Well, it's good that I did. It's good that I did, because again, if I had announced it earlier, I would have said Bigfoot was in Hood River, and that's simply not the case. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story, though. Our next story, like I said in the intro, might be one of my favorite new stories. So let's hop on board the Carpenter Copter. We're going to leave behind Hood River. You see me as I'm flying over the interstate, just a single tear. Dropping off my face. I, every time I see a bush, I'm like, no. Is it? No. And you're like, Jason, quit flying over hedge mazes. I was like, ah, he's everywhere. Bigfoot is invading Hood River. We're flying away. We're fl- leaving Hood River. We're going to Australia. The land down under. And in Australia, we're going to meet Peter Corey and his wife, Vivian. The year is 1988. It's February. Now, we're not going to be around for a lot of this stuff. We're going to have to put on our cloaking caps that I just invented. Our cloaking cloaks. Because there's going to be some weird stuff going on. We don't want to interfere with the order of things. So I'm standing I'm standing there. You're standing there. We're both invisible. Peter's hanging out with his wife. And you're like, Jason, how weird is this story going to get? It's going to get weird. That's why we're invisible. They see off in the distance lights in the sky. <laughs> They see some lights in the sky. 
It's February 1988. Big deal. Everyone sees UFOs. Lights in the sky is not a big thing. July 12th, 1988. <gasps> Peter wakes up in the middle of the night. And you're like, Jason, why were we watching? Why were we cloaked in a dark room watching him sleep for the past two hours until he woke up? And I go, well, first off, I have a fetish for this. But secondly, because of this. And that is when we see three or four. There's difference on the accounts, but we'll just say three. Three little dudes show up on the side of the bed. Little people. <laughs> You're like, okay, now it's getting freaky. These three little guys, they're wearing cloaks. They're walking along the side of his bed in the dark. Moonlight cutting through the curtain. He's paralyzed. What are these dwarves doing in my house? Why are they wearing cloaks? Why do I hear a, the sound of a man enjoying his fetish? Yet there's nothing there. It's completely invisible in the corner of the room. The creatures move closer and closer to Peter. And then one of them tells him telepathically, tells Peter, don't be afraid. It'll just be like last time. And before Peter can really comprehend what that means, the hooded figure pulls out a giant needle and inserts it into Peter's brain. Peter passes out. Obviously, obviously, most people I think would. Peter wakes up a time later. He run this. The, then the story gets weird. You're like Jason. That part. That part's weird. But then that part's weird. But then he jumps up out of bed. He like wakes up a couple minutes later or something like that. And he jumps out of bed and his brother's like sleeping in the living room. And he's like, "Whoa, dude! You won't believe what just happened." There's this weird interchange that goes on that I just kind of dismissed out of hand because. One, why is the brother in the other room? You're like, Jason, the brothers sleep in other rooms. Midgets don't poke you in the brain. You're, you're getting hung up on the wrong part of the story to debunk it. But I thought it was weird. He jumps up. I, the first thing I would do, okay, if I was sleeping in bed and a bunch of little people showed up around my apartment and started sticking stuff in my brain, and then I woke up, okay, I would immediately go, that was a horrible dream. But let's say that I thought it was totally real. I wouldn't jump out of bed and leave my wife there to go <laughs> tell my brother that somebody just stabbed me in the head. Who knows if they're going to come back and start stabbing her in the head. But anyways, he jumps up. There is some lost time. He's like, oh, man, you won't believe that. And the wife ends up checking his head, and he has a little puncture wound in his brain. Now, okay, <laughs> okay, so... Let's 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 examine everything. This isn't this isn't the weird part of the story either. And the brother sleeping in the next room is not the weird part either. But let's take a look at this. He wakes up. He gets stabbed in the brain. There's been a lot of stories of people like going like, "Oh yeah, I got shot with a beam of light and then when I woke up, I had like a hard implant in my arm and I went to the doctor, they're never able to identify it, blah 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 blah." Very rarely are <laughs> is their brain penetrated with a piece of steel. There is physical evidence of it the next day. She looks, she sees like a little bloody mark on his head. And he doesn't immediately go to the ER and say, this is going to sound crazy, but three dwarves stabbed me in the brain last night. Like, where's the medical records of that? Because if I, if an, if a, if I had a dream that somebody shot a beam of light on my arm 
I wouldn't even think twice about going to the hospital. If I woke up and there was a little lump under my arm, I'd probably deal with it for a couple days. But the next time I was at the doctor, I would probably mention it being like, hey, you know, before I go, just want to let you know, I think extraterrestrials put this in my arm. But if I got stabbed in the head and my wife could verify it looked like I got stabbed in the head, you would go to the hospital that day, right? Like, I'm not, that is a little ridiculous that as far as any of the narratives I read, he just went about it. He went about his day. But again, that's not. E- we're not even close to the weird part yet. I should say now, I don't know if I said this in the intro, but I want to tell you now, this story is supposedly true. It was a very well-documented UFO alien encounter back in the 80s, early 90s. And it is detailed in a book called The Hair of the Alien. So I want you to keep waiting for the hair to show up. Because it does show up. July 23rd, 1992. We're jumping to that year. And this, like I said, this is detailed in the book, The Hair of the Alien. Now, I have not read the book. I read articles about the book. I read reviews about the book. And there is one, only one, one one-star review about the book. From somebody named Paranoid Reviews, which I'm thinking they're probably into this type of stuff. But they didn't, they, they were debunking the book in the review. And... They revealed some information about the beginning of the story, and I will reveal that now as well, because it's very important. But as I'm reading the articles about this, July 23rd, 1992, Peter is at home. He got injured at work, and he was on pain pills at the point of this story. Now, when I read that, I go, oh, I don't know what's coming. I'm just reading this article. I don't know where this article is going to end up. But when it says he's at home with a work injury and he was on pain pills, I I thought immediately, oh, this could be some sort of hallucination. Not like he's taking acid-induced pain pills. But if you take too many pain pills, you can get groggy, you can start to fall asleep, you can have waking dreams, stuff like that. So when I read that he was home with a work injury and he was taking pain pills, I immediately started to get a little skeptical about what was going to come. Paranoid Reviews, the person who gave this review on Amazon, which is linked in the show notes, says... The reason why, and I can't prove this, I mean, this might be alleged to the guy, could have been a troll a review account, but according to Paranoid Reviews, who read the book and showed the pages that these passages are on, that's what makes me think it's a little more credible, says, in the book it details Peter's injury. So all the articles I read was just like, oh, he's at home with a work injury. The work injury was him apparently getting hit with a shovel several times in the head. So I don't know if he's working at Acme and Bugs Bunny showed up that day. He's the general manager. He's like, we got to test out these shovels. But apparently he took one, if not more, shovel blows to the head. That, I understand why they did not put that in the articles talking about this. Because that makes you even more skeptical. So he gets in the head with a shovel. The shovel is the perfect shape of his face. Foreman sends him home. He leaves Toontown, he goes home, he gets a prescription, he starts taking a bunch of pain pills, which apparently also Paranoid Reviews says in the book that Peter himself says it was a lot of pain pills. So, just setting that up. If you're a skeptic, you're going to go, the rest of the story is completely null and void. You have a guy who suffered comical head injuries and he's on a bunch of pain pills. Let's keep going, though. He wakes up. (sighs) Apparently, Apparently, he... Doesn't breathe when he sleeps every time he wakes up. (gasps) And we're standing there in this bedroom. We're still invisible. And we see him wake up. And sitting on the bed 
are two gorgeous, beautiful naked women. One of them is a tall Asian chick, long brown hair, chiseled features. And then on the other side of the bed sits a beautiful six foot tall blonde woman. Long, beautiful blonde hair. Now, Peter says he wakes up and he starts talking about how beautiful these women are, but they were too beautiful. Imagine waking up and it's Britney Spears and, I don't know, Constance Wu sitting on your bed. But you're like, Jason, I don't like either. I don't, I don't like Britney Spears and I don't know who Constance Wu is. Let's imagine that, whatever, it's the two hottest chicks you've ever seen. Two hottest chicks you've ever seen, you wake up, they're totally naked, but they're too hot. They're too perfect. He said that their faces looked super chiseled. And the implication is they're kind of alien-ish or hybrids or something like that, right? So you got an Asian girl, a blonde girl sitting on your bed. He suffered, that would be worth the brain injuries. You're like, thank you, God. And thank you, that, that negligent employee with those shovels. Got these beautiful women on my bed. His wife's at work, by the way. I guess I should say that too. So his wife's at work. Wakes up. There's two naked women on his bed. Now, I know what I would do in this in this circumstance, but he is scared. He doesn't want to do anything. But the blonde reaches and grabs the back of his head. Now, apparently, I think this part of the story might be made up. Not in the fact that I don't believe that a bunch of naked aliens showed up in his house. But I'm sure this is the version he told his wife. He's like, no, I did, I was not going to make out with these two impossibly beautiful women. They made me. I think this version, I think he was probably like, mm-hmm, it's time for dinner. But his version that he tells us is that he, the woman grabs the back of his head and she's like pulling his head towards her boob. And he's fighting. He's like, no, no, not the boob. Not the, not the impossibly beautiful boob. And he's fighting it. And he goes, she was so strong. Can you imagine him telling this story to his wife? He does eventually tell it to his wife. And he, could you imagine? He's like, I don't. I, Honey, listen. I really, really tried hard not to suck on her boobie. But she made me. She was impossibly She had the strength of 20 alien warlords. How could I resist? And so he's like fighting it. And she's getting his head closer and closer and closer. And then finally, I mean, I'm sure the struggle took less than a second. I'm sure the sound barrier was broken. His head was moving so quickly towards her boob. But in his version of the story, I put up the fight. I fought until I could fight no more. He ends up with her boob in his mouth. Nipple, to be specific. Not the whole boob. He didn't distend his jaw. He's not an anaconda. So... This isn't even the weird part. Okay? We haven't even gotten to the hair yet. We've not even gotten to the hair. So, now he's suckling on an alien woman's nipple. Now I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to take a drink of this delicious diet A&W root beer. And I want you to guess what happens next. Peter says he doesn't know why he did this. But he bit her nipple off. (laughs) Bites into her boob with such force that her areola and nipple slide off of her boob. Now they're in his mouth. And he says, here's his actual quote. Here's his actual quote. 
The expression on her face was like, this isn't the way. In a way, it was shock or confusion. That's saying it like, you, you, you're, you ate a woman's nipple. And to go, hmm, that's weird. She seems shocked and or confused. You're eating her. So that is normal. That doesn't mean she's an alien. Back to the quote. In a way, it was shock or confusion. She looked at the Asian one and looked at me. This isn't the way it's supposed to happen. You've done this wrong. Now, she doesn't actually say that, apparently. That's kind of the way he's looking at her face. So he has bit off this woman's nipple. The woman is like, what? What's going on? That's not the way it's supposed to go. And then he swallows it. Ghoul? And when he swallows the nipple, both women immediately vanish. (coughs) They could have at least stuck around to give him the Heimlich, but they don't. He begins coughing. There's a little catch in his throat. Now, those suck. I hate it when you have a catch in the throat. It's even worse when it's a human nipple. He goes into the bathroom. (coughs) Has this nipple stuck in the back of his throat. He goes to drink water to get it to flush it out, right? And then he's like, drinking water. It doesn't work. He still has a nipple in his throat. And then he's like, oh man, I have to go to the bathroom really bad. I just drank a bunch of water. And then his penis starts to hurt. He's like, oh, ow. Oh, my, my, you're like, Jason, damn it, Jason. Didn't you just do a whole episode about people getting their balls crushed so badly they died? Yes, I did do that episode, and you guys hated it, by the way. You guys hated that episode so much. It was hilarious. How many comments were like, dude, seriously? <laughs> so now... I do not have a CBT fetish either. I just think this story's hilarious. This dude, he's sitting, people are just shutting the podcast off now. No, 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 no. Don't shut it off. Don't shut it off. This guy, he's sitting there, he has a nipple in his throat, and he's like, oh, my penis. Ah, it hurts. It hurts so bad. And he's looking at it, and he can't figure out why it hurts, but it's burning really, really badly. And then he pulls back his foreskin and he notices that tightly wrapped around it are two long, thin, blonde strands of hair. And they're wrapped so tightly that as his penis is getting engorged, which I don't know why it is at this point. I don't know if he has a CBT thing, but his his penis is getting bigger. The strands aren't moving. They're wrapped so tightly. He's, ah, ah, it's burning him. And he has to like, uh, it's, it's a deadline, man. You got to undo these wires. He's like slowly unwrapping these yellow blonde hairs. Uh, oh, there's one. Okay, just one left. Just one left. Ah, it's getting bigger. It's getting bigger. Uh, I mean, because <coughs> he still has a nipple on his throat. Now, he unravels these two blonde hairs that were, magically wrapped around his penis, I'm sure is what he told his wife, he puts him in a baggie. Now, you're like, Jason, that's the dumbest. (laughs) That's the dumbest UFO story. This guy obviously made this stuff up. Do not. Okay, this is where all of that stuff is weird. But now we're going to get into the bizarre. So we have a guy telling a story. I woke up, there was two naked chicks in bed with me. I went, yes, I mean, no, no, I'm married. And they made me suck on one of their nipples, and I panicked and bit it and swallowed it. And the wife's like, oh my God, just tell me you're having an affair. This is way worse. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then I went to go get the nipple out of my throat by drinking some water. 
And then my penis started to hurt, and I looked down, and there was two blonde alien hairs wrapped so tightly around my penis that as I, as it got bigger, it was like cutting off circulation. <laughs> At this point, the wife's like, why are you getting turned on? Oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't getting turned on. It was uh, alien magic. But I unwrapped the hairs. I put them in a bag. That's okay. To be fair, that story could be 100% made up. It definitely sounds fanciful. We're going to start getting into some stuff because they test the hair. This is where the story gets bizarre. He ends up starting like a UFO group in Sydney in like 1992. Because back then, when I was a kid, like if you were abducted, there's no internet. It's not like you're getting abducted. You're like, no, no, let me email my friends and tell them where I'm at. You weren't able to connect with other abductees or other people. It was really hard for people who were into paranormal conspiracy stuff to really contact each other. They had like mailing groups and stuff like that. If you didn't know people in town, though, you were kind of boned. He ends up starting a UFO abductee type thing in Sydney. He ends up meeting a big UFO researcher. His name's Bill Chalker. Bill Chalker is the one who actually wrote the book, Hair of the Alien. Bill Chalker has this weird thing called like the Invisible College, which isn't Hogwarts or anything cool like that. Apparently, I think he just has contacts with research groups that don't want to be associated with his work because, you know, they're legitimate scientists who have an interest in the paranormal. It seemed to be something like that. Back in 1993, Bill Chalker finds out about the story and says, do you still have the hair? And Peter goes, I do. I still have the hair. It's in this little baggie. And Bill Chalker sends it to get DNA tested. So this is where we get a lot of real interesting, weird details. They're human. It's human hair. And you're like, Jason, that's not weird or interesting. But... He didn't let me finish. This gets scientific, so I'm going to read this from the article. The Think About It Docs is where... There's a website called thinkaboutitdocs.com. It'll be in the show notes. They have a lot of really, really weird stuff on there. I've been going to the website a lot lately. I'm going to read this directly from their article because I don't know how else to put it. Quote, After thorough testing of the hair samples, the scientists of the Anomaly Physical Evidence Group, which was Bill Chalker's group, arrived at a startling conclusion. The thin blonde hair, which appeared to have come from a light-skinned Caucasian-type woman, could not have come from a normal human of that racial type. Instead, though human, the hair showed five distinctive DNA markers that are characteristic of a rare subgroup of the Chinese-Mongoloid racial type. A detailed survey of the literature on variations in mitochondrial DNA comprising tens of thousands of samples showed only four other people on record with all five of the distinctive markers in the blonde hair. All four were Chinese with black hair. And you go, well, she just dyed her hair. The, 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 everything on this seems to be pretty well researched because of course you just have the guy telling the story, but... They took a sample of his hair. They took a sample of Vivian's hair. It didn't match either of theirs. The hair was not chemically treated. Because I guess when you do chemically treat hair, it makes it harder to get like that mitochondrial DNA. Something like that. I know like Vivian's hair was a hard time because she does dye her hair. So they're like, this blonde hair, this was blonde hair that was not chemically treated. That only matches people of an Asian descent type and even then it's so incredibly rare that there's only been four people who have been matched with the same setup so who are those four people they flying around spaceships no but they are however for the most part connected to a particular region in china a (laughs) it's weird guys a region in china where we have found mummies 
of white people from thousands of years ago. You have a blonde woman and an Asian woman appear in his bedroom. The blonde woman's hair gets wrapped around his penis. That matches a DNA sequencing of Asians from an area where we know for a fact Caucasians were settling in. There is a place called the Taklamakan Desert. It's in China. It's like one of the like 16th biggest desert. I had to do a bunch of research on the desert, and it's a weird place as well. And they found in the area the Taklamakan mummies. Tall, Caucasian people buried in the clothes and the customs of the culture out in China. These mummies are hundreds of years old, thousands of years old, been there for a long time. And, and people don't know where they came from. Historians go, they could have been from Iran. They could have been from Eurasia. They're definitely not indigenous to China, though. White, can't really tell the hair, but they were definitely Caucasian, and then there was Asian mummies near them as well. Taklamakan Desert. Nobody knows what that name means. There's lots of different theories what that name means. Let's look at the name of the desert, Taklamakan Desert. Nobody knows what this word means. They have a few theories, though. They think it could be Uyghur. They think it could be a Uyghur word. They think it could be a Turkish word. They think it could be a more local word for what this desert means. But no matter who named it, these are the three English translations, depending on whether it's Uyghur or the other two things I named. Here are the, here are the different names. Abandoned place, place of no return, or the place of ruins. And, and now we've cracked open the conspiratorial egg of a lost civilization. A place that has mummies that are close to 4,000 years old. I just had to look it up. I just had to go close to 4,000-year-old mummies of Caucasian and Asian descent. In an area that was named so long ago, we don't know why it has that name or who named it, but it means a place of ruins, an abandoned place. A hyper-advanced civilization once existed there that left or was run out or went somewhere not of this earth. Leaving behind only a few mummies and a vast wasteland covering their tracks. A man is visited by two beautiful naked women and comes away with a piece of physical evidence. That is human hair, case closed, right? But when that human hair connects a Caucasian woman to an unknown group of people on the outskirts of a brutal desert named the Place of Ruins, you have to think, is there something more to the story than a man who took a shovel to the head took some painkillers, and had a trippy dream. It's one thing to make up a story and have people believe it. It's harder to come away with physical evidence of a hoax. But when that physical evidence matches four people's DNA from a particular region in China that is known to have 
Caucasians in it, that's hard to hoax. Is there something under the desert? Are those mummies a remnant of a lost civilization? Does the place of ruins hold secrets far beyond human understanding? Who knows? But it's possible that all this talk of Atlantis, all this talk of Lemuria, the best proof we may have of a lost, advanced civilization existing on Earth was found wrapped around a man's penis. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Hey.